you could be on tour around all kinds of people and and they'll be saying all kinds of great things about you. Oh, I love your music. I love your lyrics. I love you. you're so great. And you're so, yeah. But you don't feel happy. You know, right. you're far, you're something still is empty. In the midst of that, in my experience, that never, no matter how many people are around, you could still feel totally alone, you know. Um, here I am. Here I am. podcast or something it's really weird because i'm not really speaking to you in front of me but i have to think of you in front of me because if i don't then i won't be able to speak to you i don't what do you mean by that I'm here at the Marriott Key Bridge in Arlington, Virginia. You guessed it. Once again, you guessed it. You're right. And, uh, yeah, I've got a decent... It's, uh, I'm out overlooking the pool. It's an indoor-outdoor pool. Uh, there's, a, like, a window separating the indoor from outdoor. I assume the body of water, you know, sort of transmits heat throughout itself, so it doesn't make too much sense. There is someone with a cowboy hat. No, pigtails in the pool. Okay, child. Fair enough. Uh, yeah, man, not bad. Playing DC tonight, the Black Cat, uh, Dessa, and Hemlock, I won't say Hemlock Tavern, Hemlock Sam from Future Islands, his solo rap thing, which I'm, I'm uh, Hemlock Ernst. Hemlock Ernst? I think that's right. Hemlock Ernst. I'm excited to see what the hell that is. Sounds very interesting. Uh tour so far has been quite positive, actually. A very positive uh, response. Uh, very well sold shows. You know, I'm never sure. When you're this late, you don't have an album out. Uh, you know, at the moment, the last album we put out essentially was Mumps Etc. in 2012, two years ago. Um, and we're kind of still touring on that, I guess you could say. I mean, the Golden Tickets EP, but that wasn't a proper release exactly. Uh, you know, more of like a side release or something, but yeah, I mean, it, it we're we're and I'm 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 glad. I mean, I'm sure Des is helping a lot with these these ticket sales, but they've been they've been very busy concerts and uh, great great audiences, wonderful audiences. That's something that we have that I I do feel blessed for. We have these these uh, real real strong listeners, real smart audience. Whew, I got to head back and sound check in a minute, but um, yeah, the tour is tiring. It beats me down. It, I'm 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 ready to uh, to get home in a few days. Not to say that I, I've been really enjoying it. Uh, I do like playing shows. I, I like performing, and uh, you know I like being in in different cities when I have some time. These this has been a bit rushed, uh, you know, old school tour style in a way. Long drives. Things like that. So I'm a bit worn worn thin, you know? But, uh, yeah. 
it's been good. We got a few more shows left, you guys. So if you're in, let's see, DC is tonight. So tomorrow would be Pittsburgh or something. No, day off. And then, yeah, Pittsburgh, Cincinnati, and then a couple of uh, Chicago shows. So if you're in those cities, uh, make sure to come check us out and, and all that. So my guest today uh, is Aaron Weiss. And he is the singer of a band called Me Without You. Now, I had heard that name, I think, for a while. You know, it's more in the vein of, uh, you know, they came out of the hardcore scene. Not at all my, my uh, you know, my, my upbringing or, or knowledge base. In fact, I usually don't like loud music, you know, loud guitar music. doesn't normally appeal to me. But I've been checking out Me Without You since they, they asked me to tour with them. I guess some of the members are Y listeners, and they asked me if I would tour with them at some point uh, and peeped them, and it's quite different than anything, you know, typically hardcore. And in fact, now it's gone into, it's almost like Y, you know, came from hip-hop, right? They come from hardcore in that same way. So it's kind of like it's become a different thing, and, and, you know, they really... Uh, turn it into their own thing, which I really appreciate. Nothing worse than a band that is is trying hard to fit into a genre, and uh, they they don't do that whatsoever. So, and as yeah, as a lyricist, you know, Aaron, you know, has sort of gotten more and more out there, and more and more ambitious as a lyricist. I don't mean that in a, ambitious business wise or anything like that. But I mean, he's taken on some large scope writing within his songwriting. Um, that's very impressive. Almost like a, like a Joanna Newsom or like a, uh, you know, I'm trying to think of someone else, uh, like that, that almost, you know, the, 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 the lyrics are, are bursting out of the song and almost asking to be, you know, uh, you know, uh, an audio book or something like that, but, but tasteful. And sitting well with the music, um, you know, as it is. It was a real pleasure. You'll see this, this conversation is great. I love meeting someone new like this that I've never met. I had no idea what to expect. I was nervous before the interview because, you know, I, I didn't know exactly what to talk about. I'm, I'm familiar only sort of a, a little bit with his music or I've familiarized myself you know, enough to, to not be an idiot talking to him. But I, I, you know, it's not like I've been listening to, to their stuff for the last, you know, years or anything like that. So I was a bit nervous and a bit like, where do I start this off? You know, how do I know? And uh, it just very naturally turned into something. So, and I think that's just a testament to, uh, you know, him being not only articulate, but extremely thoughtful, you know, as an individual, and I think our our, our uh, ideas and you know trains of thought aligning. You know, I think we have similar similar paths, perhaps. But you can see for yourself. This is this is like this is the kind of this is what I got into the podcast for is these kind of conversations, especially with somebody that I never met, um, and I hope to carry on. Uh, you know, having a relationship with Aaron, you know, he doesn't have a cell phone. I've tried to text a couple times and then I realized 
shit, that's a landline that I'm trying to text. So, yeah, but I don't know. We'll maintain some sort of relationship, even if it's not through text. It's 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 maybe it's too soon to uh, start calling a dude you just met and having you know long phone conversations. So I don't know. We'll have to we'll have to navigate this. Uh, and Aaron, if you're listening, we'll figure out how to maintain this relationship. All right, I'm gonna go because I I gotta go sound check in a minute, and I have the the. Uh, the Sprinter, I have it double parked in the parking lot. And you know how these three and a half stars ho- hotels are. They they they'll try to fucking uh, do anything they can do to tax you. So I wouldn't be surprised if there's a ticket on the car right on the band right now. So I'm gonna head out. But you guys enjoy this conversation with Aaron Weiss. I'm I'm here. Well, let me just first say I'm here with Aaron Weiss. Um, in the what is this place called? Union Transfer. Union Transfer, Philadelphia, PA. Um, and you live in Upper Darby. And I know, I know, I've heard that name before mm-hmm. because m- my parents are both from here. And you actually sound kind of like my dad, in a way. Um, you guys have? Is he still alive? Yeah. You like him? Yeah, it's a good thing. So, what what have you have you been have you been? Uh, Touring at all, or, or, or working on anything recording-wise <clears throat> lately? Touring, not so much, since, not since June. Okay. But we have been working on a recording. Okay. All, all the other guys have finished the music for a new album, and now it's on me to do the vocals, which I'm about halfway is it, through. Is that how it generally works for y'all? <clears throat> I'd say more often than not. We've we've done the other way around, where I brought some, some songs with lyrics already completed, and they've added their instruments, but those, those were never... Uh, their favorite songs you know they don't they don't enjoy that as much and so i usually go who's they you mean the band yeah the band they like to i think for it to come from the ground up as a unit instrumentally and then i can kind of fit the vocals in after the fact okay yeah how about you um well i i guess it's very different all the time but i i i write more of the stuff my, by myself, I yeah. guess, than than not. Sometimes I collaborate with somebody, but um, by and large, uh, I'll write the songs and then bring them in to the to the band mm-hmm. to to play it. Is the one fellow your brother? Yeah, you get. I guess that's. I guess maybe a dumb question. You look so similar. Yeah. No. No. He, yeah. We're, we're we're decidedly brothers, and you have you have a brother in the band as well. Yeah. Um. From uh, what I hear, that yeah, is it? Do, is that a a comforting thing? It's a comforting thing for me. Oh, well, you just answered my next question. Yeah, yeah, I'd say it's um, it's probably the whole, the, whole, the main reason I'm still doing it because I get tired of the of um, certain aspects of this, of playing music, but playing with my brother is so rewarding, and it's also our main source of income, and he has a family. You know, a wife with three kids just had their third baby. Yeah. So, and a big mortgage, you know, all these things that make it hard to unplug, you know, and say, well, time to start over with your career because we've been at it so long. It's hard to know what we would do, but mostly him because I live with my mom and have basically zero bills. You live with your mom now? Uh-huh. Do you, but you have a girlfriend. I have a girlfriend slash wife. Slash wife? Yeah. What does that mean? Well, she was my girlfriend for a couple of years, and then we got married about three months ago. But so she's, she's still girlfriend. my girlfriend. <laughs> okay, okay. I still think of her as got a girlfriend you, in a you. sense. And sometimes I forget. Like when I just came in and I mentioned to you that my wife. Uh, to you said girlfriend though. 
I'm, I'm not surprised. Yeah. Yeah. So that makes sense because I still, it's still so new to me. And oh, it, yeah, you had the ring. Yeah. But it was kind of on a whim. Like we didn't plan it. We didn't have a wedding. We just eloped, you know? Yeah. And not a whole lot changed immediately at least. Like she was still living in New Jersey and I was living with my mom, but we were suddenly married, you know, and there wasn't anything that felt substantially different. Yeah. And so it was mostly a, an adjustment of language. Um, but also a different feeling uh, when I when I reflected on like how I felt about the relationship. It, it felt it did feel more stable. It feels more forever or something. Yeah, it was. It was at least I knew what to, what to do with all. The, I had questions about well, are we going to stay together or, or like always scrutinizing the relationship. And then once we got married, I thought I'm going to stop doing that, or I'm going to keep you know I'll keep keep looking critically at our at the dynamic of our relationship, but not with that question in the back of my mind like. Should I roll? You know, is this good for me? Because I just decided, you know what? Nothing's ever going to seem perfect to me. I'll find fault with anything. It's just how my mind works. But I thought she's a she's a good girl for me and a really good influence on my life. How so, long have you been together? It's about two years. Two years. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's how about not you? Do you have crazy any, long? Do you have any kind of significant other? I don't, man. I I uh, I've I guess I've always kind of um found it hard to be be in involved you know like i i want to be like a big part of me wants to be but i don't i i i i, I and I, I i was kind of meditating on this last night that i was like stoned and kind of thinking about life and whatever and i was kind of like thinking about how i never really give myself away i always like hold on to myself and that and with with friends too or you know I find it difficult to to uh, to share myself fully or something. I don't know. That's yeah. For for me, mm. do, you, do you not feel that way? No. I, well, if anything, I have the opposite problem. I've kind of been too much of an open door, and it's caused other it's caused problems in other relationships where those close to me expected maybe more more confidentiality, and I've kind of been open with whatever I'm going through and whoever it is involved. Well, but see, okay, I'm, I'm, that's the thing. I'm also open. I'm very open and I talk about everything. Talk. I'm getting that from you. <laughs> I talk about everything, but, um, but there's a difference between being like open emotionally or talking and, and, and somehow like giving yourself over like or really sharing yourself somehow i don't i don't know what that difference is exactly yeah. because i'm not good at that second part but um this has been coming up a lot and my wife and i have been asking married folks or anyone who's been well anyone who would care to talk about it but mostly married folks about that dynamic like how much do you give yourself over to this other person or how much do you do the two become one as the saying goes yeah you know, as opposed to kind of hanging on to your individuality and I've struggled you know I used to think it would be kind of a compromise to not totally merge your life with your spouse you know if that ever happened to me I thought I'd want to just be you know give everything but now anymore I feel I feel that less and less like there's yeah we actually the the, the, the there was one probably more than anything there was one quote I read by by a fellow who was talking about marriage as a means of protecting each other's solitude you know, the, that, oh interesting that, cast it in a different light because I always have a feeling no one ever, ever is going to take away you know the loneliness that we have you know you could be like you know you could be on tour around all kinds of people and and they'll be saying all kinds of great things about you oh I love your music I love your lyrics I love you. you're so great and you're so yeah. 
but you don't feel happy. You know, right. you're far, something still is empty. And in the midst of that, in my experience, that never, no matter how many people are around, you could still feel totally alone. You know. Yeah. And I, I thought it'd be a real, um, a real heavy burden to lay on somebody to expect them to take that away or yeah. even chip away at it. You know. And, and so I, I said to my my girlfriend at the time, I said, I, I'm not going to ever take away your loneliness, and I will not let you or expect you to take away mine but if we can just have a kind of a partnership where we can be alone together in a safe way and go through life as in this i don't know quasi monastic kind of way i've always been drawn to like the monk yeah. ideals you yeah. know of, of of solitude and silence and and simplicity to some you extent you find comfort in that oh yeah yeah hugely i mean real i get there's a, well there's a discomfort in it to some extent but there's a real rich almost ecstatic joy that I've tasted here and there in my life it's been enough to think this is the path I want to go down or this is kind of the the treasure I'm seeking but it's and the writing is the fruit of that right I mean wouldn't you say well it it comes out you know whatever's in there I'm sure you know you couldn't write anything other than what is in your heart and when your mind you know you keep it's all you've got so you know the question I think to some extent becomes how sincere and open do you want to be about what's in there as as compared to whatever other strategy you that maybe you could just try to tap into a target audience and cater to them but you know if, if we're not going to do that if we're going to try to communicate something of ourselves then yes it has to be whatever i've written has to be the fruit of that pursuit because that pursuit has been a constant in my adult life at i'm least. just saying would would the writing come if you didn't have that those monastic tendencies. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, um, you know, you know, the monastic tendencies maybe are, are the trunk of the tree, and the, and the writing is just kind of like the leaves, or the the leaves of the of the flowers. You know. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I, I mean, I feel that way. I feel, I feel like, you know, I get my own hotel room on tour. I get like I just because like I need my time to just be by myself. And, you know, and it's not even like a, I guess it's a decompression thing to, to an extent, but it's also just that to allow myself to, to just state or something, you know? Right. Um, and ferment into, into, uh, disgusting perfection, you know? <laughs> do you, do you ever have a, um feel a danger of going too far in that way do you ever have a season where you're too much alone well, and you... that yeah and that's what i'm saying like I almost feel like i've gone too far in that direction and that's why i have trouble sharing myself with other people so much like um yeah i am a bit too far gone in that in that direction but but you're saying what you've been able to do and i don't how does your wife feel about this this together alone thing how does she feel about that well i think she had planned on being single and celibate and kind of going in a nunnish kind of way. Really? So, okay. I think so. And she, at least, that was kind of our initial, our initial point of connection because when we met, it was a strange, I felt a real conflict because I had had this hope to be not necessarily a monk because I didn't have any specific religious, you know, group to plug into, but I had definitely had an intention to be alone and sort of intensely in inward and single-minded in my life and i always thought of a wife and a family and a mortgage and all those things would kind of really water that down or, or muddy the waters you know muddy. yeah and and so when i met her i felt a real strong uh connection and a real 
kind of magnetic pull and a real, you know, this, I felt like a mutual attraction right away and that I'd never felt with anybody else. But I also said, you know, whatever becomes of this, I have this pretty serious, you know, pattern in my life. I was, I was 33 at the time, I'm 35 now. I'm so, 35. Are you? Yeah, January 1979 is you. Yeah. No, I was just asking because of the song. Yeah, yeah. I'm, a- I'm April, but okay. yeah, 1979, yeah. 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 So it was kind of one of the, one of the, I don't want to say conditions because I'm not sure anything would have stopped it if she if she said if she wasn't cool with that we might still be married today but it was it was something we talked out like right from the beginning I said look there's a few things you got to know about me and that was one of them I'm not ever gonna give myself to you in the way um, I think um, uh, romantic ideas often portray that kind of relationship where, where, they, you where know, people we, lose themselves in each other in this one particular person and yeah. we're supposed to fulfill each other or we're like these soulmates or anything I just never saw it that way and maybe at least not since high school maybe I used to I don't remember yeah. but it's been a long time since I have so I thought if we have kind of different and I actually thought that was the cause of a lot of people's unhappiness in their relationships is they had maybe certain expectations of the other person that weren't realistic or fair okay. so I, I thought if we go in with um kind of <clears throat> with with sort of counterintuitive intuition sort of like in, entirely unromantic you know and sort of I don't know I don't want to say just pragmatic or something but but in a sense like of, of marrying of, of finding a partner as a means of being more determined and single-minded in my aloneness because I think even when I thought I was going to be a monk I had this backdoor plan of like no but I'm going to meet somebody and I would go to a show like to like I'd be here and I'd be looking around like oh that girl's kind of cute no I should be a monk we oh, all do that yeah 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 well it's you know it's it what for me I guess I felt like it was it was um to an extent that was that was sort of that was distracting me it became unhealthy it became unhealthy or like yeah. it was just enough that I thought you know what when I met her name is Keisha when we met we I thought you know what this is this is a really good thing for my life I've been happier ever, you know my family all approves of her and I and, and I talked to her family it just felt like it made sense you know and and so we had some of those conversations that were pretty just deliberately unromantic but sort of hey look I don't think you're ever going to be like the one for me and I'm I don't want to be the one for you that's so unromantic yeah yeah but we still we do romantic things to some extent but yeah. we always have that bedrock of like because we're both really religious really kind of people you know t- in some t- ways well let's talk about that because I'm curious about that you Aaron Weiss dis- a decidedly Hebrew name yeah um and you're on a Christian re- or you have been previously on a Christian record label Tooth and Nail yeah um under oath, MXPX, all these guys, and yet I, I heard Arabic in the music. I, I and I, I read some stuff that said you are a Sufi Muslim. You grew up that way. Yeah. There's a lot of things going. That's a that's a serious braided thread there of many different. Uh, tell me what 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 then what's what are your what is your belief system? You said religious. I'm not. I don't usually try to put religious onto people, even if they're spiritual, and they say, because I have a lot of friends who are, you know, even Christian or whatever, but they don't like to characterize it as religious, you know. Right. But you said religious, so, I, yeah. yeah. What, so it's fair game. And is your wife that way as well? I don't, I don't know. I think I use it as a pejor- in, a, in a pejorative sense. Okay. So I, I kind of, you know, embrace that, that, that there are trappings of religion, there are ugly, uh, ignorant, and foolish sides of religion. And that, that you know, the breed bigotry and division and all that, and and I I feel those things in me, and you know I'm not proud of being religious really, 
but I feel it's just a part of my life. It's a part of my, the way my mind works. Uh, because of, because of the fact that you grew up that way, you think? Yeah. Okay. I think, I think so. And it, it's it's stuck. Yeah. Yeah, and I think I think what anyone that you know you describe, if you have friends that would be, you know, spiritual or Christian or whatever, and not but say I'm not, re- I don't want to be religious or I'm not, you know, but I have these spiritual qualities. Like I think they're. It's, an, it's, it's a sensible distinction to draw, and it's one I've heard a lot. And probably I used to draw it, too. And maybe I just heard that enough that I swung the other way to yeah. be like, shake things up. You know, you I'm have, religious, but not spiritual. you mentality kind of? Ah, like, who doesn't? You know, I mean, yeah. to some extent, you want to, like, anything that um, that starts to become, it, it feels like it's just being repeated without yeah. scrutiny and yeah. analysis. You know, you want to kind of shake it up and even, even just say the opposite, even if it's not entirely even true, but... But finding the truth in the opposite, you know, if, if 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 there is a strain or whatever it may be, to try to understand the opposite uh, uh, or, or the you know, not even that there is necessarily an opposite, but but go far away from what's accepted and try to right. understand or accept that. And to me, that that involves regarding what we're talking about, different aspects of religious belief that are unsavory, and that I see those things in myself. I battle against them to some extent, but it's a losing battle. I mean, I've been fighting. For, Against. So so that said, what are, what are your particular stances on things? Um, you know, or, or so you grew up Sufi Muslim. Well, my mom was on the Sufi. I guess she, my mom's still alive. My dad died about four years ago, and he okay. was probably the most eclectic religiously. He grew up Jewish, so he, okay. that's where I got Weiss. Yeah, and so when his parents were alive, we celebrated Hanukkah and Passover, and I grew up. Jewish. I mean, I thought of myself as a Jew when I was younger. Yeah. And around the end of high school, I joined a church for a couple of months. It wasn't very long, but it was enough for me to start identifying as a Christian. Just because you met some people? I had a friend who was extremely convinced that Jesus was alive and real. And as far as I was concerned, he died thousands of years ago but yeah. he's he was absolutely sure that wasn't true you know was, well, yeah. his, was his friend jewish too or no no he okay. was raised in a i guess i'd say kind of evangelical family yeah. and he you know he kept his parents beliefs more or less so but he i remember one day we were, we were in a in a donut shop and he told me i am i am even more sure that jesus is alive than i am of the fact that you're sitting next to me Oh. And I basically trusted this guy. Yeah. You know, he's one of my best friends. And I I just couldn't believe what he was saying. You know, I was so shocked by that statement. How can that be? You're so sure about Jesus. I kind of believe in God in a vague... To me, it was just morality. I just equated God with morality. And whatever the world of good and evil and right do good, do, do right and avoid wrong was just God's territory. And I didn't know much about it except the basics. You know? Did you did you grow up going to synagogue or no? No. Okay. No, my dad never went... I think he had a rocky relationship with his own religion, and he had actually met my mom at a Sufi gathering. Okay. So he had embraced Islam to some extent. Like, he didn't consider... I never heard him call himself a Muslim, but he read the Quran, and he read the Bible. I'm sorry, he read the New Testament. I never saw him much reading the Hebrew Bible, uh, but he would pray in Hebrew. So he just kind of... I also heard uh, some some Hebrew on on a newer song. um, There's a... Uh, I'm trying to think of what that was. A Hebrew prayer. What was it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just know that from childhood. Yeah, yeah, that was the melody my dad taught me, and then I, I changed it a little bit for the song, but yeah. I, you know the same words. Yeah. From it. What does that mean? 
I think it's it's blessed be God, blessed be the Lord, blessed just be... Just your standard old blessed be God. Blessed be and then praise be to God, praise be to the Lord, praise okay. be to the Most High or something. It like, keeps the same form but just it, it replaces like one phrase at a time. Got it. And more, I think, more meditative than anything else because you could just go through it as, you know, endlessly. Okay, so you're going, you're going to uh, church for a couple months with your friend. That, did you, did you, so you said you identified as Christian after that. Yeah. Okay. Then what? Then I, then I stopped, I guess I started asking some questions. A few of us, there was a, a whole group of my friends that started poking around at that church. And I think we were all searching for something to believe in and and we found this church and they were really accepting and, and, and of us and really enthusiastic about were you like what hardcore kids or something yeah 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 okay. exactly i was really into straight edge and veganism and animal rights yeah and i was really intent on finding a <clears throat> i guess a a moral path you yeah. know i was really intent on finding a, a good way to live like being radically good yeah and that's something that's been with me ever since i was a little kid my parents would read me stories about being a good son and being a good faithful servant of God or just good to my neighbor or whatever and it was so it, it really resonated deeply with me it still does yeah uh, and I was just you know to me it was like one thing to the next whether it was being straight edged to have a good clean pure lifestyle and being controlled by mind or like animal rights to stand up for the little guy yeah and then Christianity was just the next step it was sort of alright I'm going to take a leap into the like eternal realm right. at my friend's advice you know because he, he was so sure he seemed so sure of it and I thought I still remember I got baptized I said I don't understand what this is about I don't feel a whole lot but I want to go through whatever you guys are talking about and see if I feel the things you guys say you're feeling you right know? and I didn't I never really did I don't think feel that kind of the, the the joy of a of a new life as a bat of a baptized believer or anything like that, but it definitely felt good to sing with my friends and to feel like we had a common goal and a common vision of reality, you know. Yeah. <clears throat> but it was short lived because I think a few of us started asking questions like we'd read something in the Bible and say, "Well, what's this about? You know, this doesn't sound like God is very loving according to this idea." And like, it was sort of a hostile response my memory at least and this is like 15 this is almost 20 years ago yeah. that I left that church you know but it was like it made a powerful impression on me you know because I felt in my memory I started to ask questions and it was met with what felt like kind of fear and and almost hostility we don't, we don't ask questions exactly yeah. right right this was about what like the Old Testament like ideas of God and and, and retribution and and I'd say, I mean, primarily, I, I'd say, yeah, but there's also a lot of things in the New Testament that seem really off off point to me, yeah. you know, or at least it did at the time, and I, whenever I go back and reread it, I think, well, there's some great stuff, and there's some, some confusing stuff, and then there's just some heinous-sounding stuff, Yeah. and I started to try to pick through that and, and question the stuff that sounded You're not wrong. supposed to pick through it. Well, not according to this church, yeah. you know, it just wasn't, it wasn't allowed. It was like, if you, it's like almost, if you raise any questions the whole edifice kind of crumbles if it's right. not the inerrant word of god it's you know all is lost right literalists right whatever yeah 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 so okay what what brought you to sufism from there well i think have you ever heard of rumi a poet named rumi yeah my mom's um teacher or guru uh, his name was Baal muhayyadeen and he was from sri lanka but he lived in philadelphia until 1986 when he died 
Well, anyway, he had one of his, uh, I guess you could say disciples or students was a man named Coleman Barks. And Coleman is the, I guess, the most prominent translator of Rumi's poetry into English today. And I was just reading Rumi and really in love with his ideas and his imagery. And I, I don't know how much of it was Rumi and how much of it is Coleman Barks. We know with the translation, it's hard to know. Sure. But uh, I was really um, overjoyed by what I was reading. You know, I was reading and it just felt like it lifted my burdens and yeah. it gave me comfort in a really deep way. And then I found out that the translator, Coleman, had had been a student of Bawa's and I thought, oh man, there's Bawa again. You know, Bawa, Bawa. I grew up hearing all Bawa's stories and pictures of Bawa still at my mom's house. Almost like it, like a, like a, like a guru or that sort of thing. Exactly. In, in, in Hinduism or whatever. Yeah, Hinduism yeah. The, or whatever that is. I don't is know. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he even was called Guru Bawa by his. I mean, in Sri Lanka, there's a lot of Hindus and there's a lot of Muslims. Okay. And the Hindus would call him Guru Bawa, and the Muslims would call him Sheikh Bawa. Okay. And so I think it's it's very similar, at least in in that tradition. And I mean, Sufism ha- has that more internal mystical thing right I mean I don't know that much about it but I know that yeah to me when I think of it I think of it as more related to um, yeah more like inner world stuff for some reason yeah I think so I mean there's a lot of people at the you know if you go to the fellowship today it's just, it's still there Bawa's not around anymore but there's still a lot of his followers still meet and watch videos or read his books and everything and and there's a lot of folks there who don't even read the, the Quran or have a Quran or consider themselves Muslims, but they are Sufis. You know, without Islam, without the formal uh, backbone of Islam, or I guess so. There's a, there's a mosque there on the on the premises, and a lot of people will say more orthodox leaning Muslims would go to the mosque, but not go to the fellowship house. Okay. And then there's a lot of folks who either live at or go to the fellowship house who would never never step foot in the mosque. And then there's some folks who some, who manage to like reconcile right. the two. But if you read the Quran and, and in my experience with more orthodox or conservative Islam, it's it's unrecognizable when you read Baba's teachings. He claims that it's based on like the what he would call the inner meanings of the Quran. Okay, but it's it's almost unrecognizable. I mean, the, the, maybe he's done with Islam what you guys have done with hardcore. <laughs> well, some, like like yeah, maybe. stretched it, come from that, but then sort of stretched it into something quite different at this point. Right. I, I'm not sure where... He, I mean, it's hard for me to understand Baba because I feel like he's, I'm so close to him, you know, and I feel so much so much a part of him, or he's so, maybe, or vice versa, I don't know, but I, I don't really understand... It's hard for me to step back and look at him sort of sociologically or look at, you know, how where he came from and how he might have just m- melded these different religions together and brought a new philosophy. Yeah. He just kind of feels like my my friend and my I guess my grandfather or someone who's always with me and kind of I wouldn't even exist without him he's the one who married my parents together okay and it's kind of all and all my upbringing was just so steeped in him and his teachings that so you look to his teachings more than you do Muhammad or something oh yeah okay I mean I I don't even I mean I'm reading the Quran for for an academic purpose I mean I'm I'm doing a project at my school on Islam, and I, I'm trying to understand it more in its kind of global orthodox, okay. with a lowercase o, I mean, uh, in its kind of more mainstream context. Yeah. But um, other than that, I don't... Even with Muhammad, I, 
there is such a disparity between the version of Muhammad that Bawa presents and the version of Muhammad that you either get from the Quran or historically. I mean, right. according to Bawa and some of his disciples, Muhammad wasn't even a person in the sense of like, you're Yoni and I'm Aaron and there was a dude named Muhammad and then there's Josiah. You know, there are these four guys or something like that, but it's more a state of consciousness that you reach or it's like a level within all of us okay. that we can tap into. So he transcended human you know, I mean, like Jesus, maybe you could say, right? Somewhere between God and and man, right? I think a lot of Muslims are really careful not to put him on that, that you know, not to elevate him because there's a. I think in in most of the Islam I've encountered is a very serious monotheism, you right. know, that Christianity I think has lost with the Trinity yeah, and everything. Yeah. I mean, that's they, they yeah they talk about the three and the you know right. three is one <laughs> and all this business, but yeah, yeah. So I think I think on one level, a lot of folks, and, and believe me, I don't claim to speak, definitely don't speak for Islam. I don't even speak for Sufism because even that is so varied that, you know, you talk to a thousand different Sufis, you'll probably get a thousand different stories. And I don't even talk, I don't even speak for Bawa's brand of Sufism because even within the fellowship, you'd get probably 200 different, significantly different versions of what he was really about. Mm-hmm. But I have my takeaway from him, and so I'm going to process all that. I guess maybe that's a given, but I want yeah. to offer that disclaimer. It's like sure, anything I'm sure. saying, it's, it's not... It's your thing. Yeah, it's yeah. the way that you see things. Yeah. yeah absolutely. Um, was it cultish, sort of? Did, did it feel... Yeah? You're shaking your head. Yeah, I'd, I'd say... I mean, you know, like anything, that's a word that can be taken different ways, yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah, I don't... Yeah. And it's... A, I mean, cults, I think anything that's like a irregular enough kind of religious practice can be considered a cult and there's only three, two or three thousand members of the fellowship yeah. so it's a very small religious I mean, group I, I grew up in something that was a little bit cultish too you know messianic really? Judaism I mean it, I, that, is that shirt from the band the, the messianic band the Chernoff yeah, uh, yeah you know really? the Chernoffs yeah 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 I mean I've been yeah. to Beth Yeshua sorry yeah man I, I yeah I mean so these are my people and they, and they would be upset if I said that it's cultish but I don't mean that in a negative way, but it but it's a small religion with a, with a limited amount of followers, and you know what I mean. Right? No, I f- I feel you. I I mean, I was I was I was going to Beth Yeshua for a while, and I was okay. I was into it. I thought well, my Hebrew roots and my and my Christ- my Christian inclinations and this they, they bring it both together. But then there got some, some Zionist stuff that I, you know politically Zionist. Yeah, you know, they do go deep into that. Yeah, they. I mean, that's the thing that I think can be a turnoff is they they are pretty old school in their. Um, politics and you know my dad watches Fox News you know right 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 and uh, I can't be down with that I yeah. love my father but 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 that's we can't see eye to eye on anything like that yeah 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 do do you guys kind of uh, butt heads overtly or do kind of let it be unspoken you know we don't really butt heads we don't really talk about politics and stuff like that I mean I'm not like I'm not an overtly political person whatsoever now I have ways of thinking that are definitely more aligned with anyone who's left or beyond left but you know I'm not an activist uh, or anything like that so I'm not always preaching or talking about it you know and my dad you know is going to tone it down around me probably you know what I mean so yeah yeah do you, is it just the two of you you and Josiah or do you have any uh, other? we have a, a sister named Becky uh-huh. who who is a bit more overtly activist or preachy in terms of left wing stuff um, and her and my dad get butt heads sometimes. So all, did all three of the kids go to the left hand? I assume Josiah. Yes. 
I don't know why I assume just how he looks. I guess or playing in a band with you, it's hard to be ima- imagine him putting on Fox News. After yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. He he's uh, he's also left leaning. Yeah. yeah. So how about your mom? Is she closer to your dad? Yeah, she's close closer to my dad in mm-hmm. the way of thinking, but a little more gray thing. You know, my dad's kind of a black and white thinker, and my mom is maybe a little more gray, but but um, but still definitely. Um, you know, leans towards the, the, the right in terms of politics. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What about your mom? I think she's pretty, pretty um, deliberately apolitical or striving to be, like, to withdraw herself from, I think, from any forms of what she would consider to be worldly power. Yeah. You know, she's trying to divest, I guess, from... I mean, she's, she's kind of going a monastic direction herself where she most days doesn't doesn't leave the house or even her room sometimes and so i think she's just shifting a lot in the way she thinks i mean she's always been liberal in my life you know as far as if she would go to vote it was it was like slight left you know i mean i think she's she's voted just goes and pushes the democrat button or something Mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. but um anymore it almost doesn't come up because she's her recent drift in terms of her 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 journey has been pretty radically um i guess quietist and so it doesn't really allow room for almost quietist quietist that i've never heard that but i like that yeah i think it i think it's just a general i think it's a term i it refers to not necessarily explicitly religious but i think a lot of religious folks could be accused of this of sort of so um concerned with their own personal journey or the inner development that it almost um precludes any activism or attempt to change the world outside right you know and and so it can be kind of a stoic position of of non-act of radical like non uh, i guess radical non-action whether it's literally being quiet in terms of vows of silence or just being determined not to try to change anyone else because it all has to start within and kind of go out and maybe in some quasi-mystical sense i'm not Do, sure so she's doing that in she she'll stay sort of locked in the house not as a depressive thing but as a like meditating and shit like that. Right. No. No. She. She. Uh, you know. Of course. I, and I. And, I, and I, I can't speak for her too much. But she. But she. At least the things I feel like I get from her are. You know. Definitely a, compa- a capacity to come out and socialize. Like I've seen her with my friends come over, or she's out and about. You know. She's very charming, and she's very. Um, not to say I get. I get that from her. You know. What I'm saying. But. But she can interact with people. Like I'm here with with a relative stranger you know we've never i don't think we met before today mm-hmm. my dad would doesn't have any he didn't have any of that like he didn't have any ability to come out and talk you know make friends with people and yeah. right now like there's certain things for example we're talking with you know the li- anyone who's listening after the fact can't see there's a a recording device between us you know yeah. and there's something we, we've also come into a room just the two of us and we're talking i guess about things that in it's a little unusual to talk about for two guys who are just right. meeting each other. We're getting you know? relatively intimate for the fact that we were sitting down for the first time. Yeah. Right. And there's all kinds of, like, there's a few, dem- well, I, I'm, if you don't mind my telling you, before coming here, my wife asked me, how you doing? And I said, I, 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 I didn't know how to answer. I didn't want to say I'm not feeling very well, but I said, I, I don't know. She said, what's up? You know, what's going on? I said, I'm going to do this. I'm going to meet this fella, and I don't know really what we're you know i don't know what it is it's a podcast or something and we're supposed to we're going to talk but i know for a fact if this was just some dude that i'm 
I don't know, I got, he wrote me from Facebook or something. I was like, hey, can you come down to 11th and Spring Garden and talk with me for an hour or something? I would have said no. <laughs> yeah. It's like, sorry, dude. Like, I'm really busy right now. But I, thought, I said, you know, this guy, Yoni is his name. I mean, I, I'm, honestly, I'm not a big, I'm not a big music. I'm not. I don't follow a lot of music, you know. Yeah. So I actually don't. I don't know a lot of your, yeah. your your music, you know. But ever since I think I've heard some of the guys in my band talking about you, I've kind of thought, oh, I, I respect their taste. I'm going to check it out. And like, I, I like it, you know. I really yeah. like what I've seen that you've done, like really cool videos and great lyrics and stuff. And I thought, man. Like oh, this guy's really cool, you know, and the fact that he wants to talk with me or like have something to do with our either our band or me as a person is yeah. kind of exciting or flattering or something. But on a way that, f- in, in a certain respect, that felt kind of phony or like self-serving. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I'm going to come here to talk to you because you're somebody different from like this this stranger on the street. Sure, you sure. know that I I would have passed by like a hundred people and probably I passed past a thousand people on my way to you. And some of them were probably asking me for money or something. I don't care. It's like, yeah. you know, I had no time for them, but I'm going to come out of my way to talk to you who are no more valuable, you know what I mean? Right. In some sense than than anyone else. But like, to me, you are for some bogus well, reason. My, Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. And, and right. Like, why did I ask to talk to you and not some random dude on the street? But it's, it's also because... Uh, I know what you do, and I feel like there's stuff that we can talk about because there's a lot of uh, common ground, I think. So that's that's what I would say. But I hear you completely. Right, right, yeah. right. And I, sometimes I do feel like, yeah, I should, you know, and I, I do have conversations sometimes with people that are just interesting to me that, that you know, aren't necessarily in a band or, or famous or anything like that. Um, but... That said, you seem very interesting to me. I've been listening to your music, you know, since, you know, I first... Well, I guess you guys asked me to tour with you guys maybe in this early summer. And uh, so I've checked your stuff out since then, and, and it's very interesting. And your writing is extremely unique. Like, I'm, like it, it's very rare that in music there's writing like what you do well to to temper what i said you're right i mean i do feel the same thing and i did that that gave me some peace of mind thinking you know from from what i read of this fellow's lyrics or from what i gather about his personality i think we will have more in common or kind of a more camaraderie or some kind of kinship than i would with maybe with or at least it'd be easier to find that camaraderie you know i think the thing is i guess the reason i even brought that up was because of my dad when he was alive didn't have that any kind of mechanism for I, at least that I ever detected in the 31 years I lived with him is I, he never had a kind of mechanism for sizing people up according to how important they were in the eyes of the world or in anybody mm-hmm. uh, or trying to see what he could get out of them he would just treat everybody in the same way mm-hmm. you know, and he, and and it was a very intense and, and sort of single-minded way with respect to his faith because even though he wasn't a specific religion as far as I could tell, he was very intent on God being real mm-hmm. and there being and God being one, like the singularity of God, whatever that means. He would ask people, my, I would bring a new friend home and he would say, do you believe in God? It was his first question. And they were kind of always put off put and his second was like, what's your address? You know, And he would write down their name and then send them mailings about about the Sermon on the Mount or about the 
Torah or about the Quran. It was always these, you know, interesting. So he was very, um, he was very focused on, on, on God as he understood. I think that's how it always struck me was this guy actually believes this and he doesn't care who he's talking to and he's Mm -hmm. not trying to impress. I mean, he looked like he just dressed like a kind of a homeless guy and he wandered. He kind of would, well, I don't mean to talk too much about, about my dad, but I guess I brought it up because, um, I felt some ambivalence about about coming because yeah. I almost I just felt like I would be using you in some sense like oh I you know like you in some way make me it feels good to, to meet you and to think well maybe we'll tour together or maybe we'll you know do these things together that could somehow benefit my my life in some way but I I don't like feeling like I don't like operating from that place I hear you but you you know but there's also the idea that you know. You, and I see how you are because I have very many ways like I have a lot of similarity with that but like there's this perfectionism in wanting to be pure <laughs> yeah 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 and wanting to be pure of thought and wanting to be pure of motive and all that and you know you never want to you know do anything from a place of sort of want from a place of desire right 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 exactly I understand that yeah yeah um, yeah I don't know but the, the podcast has been good for me it's allowed me like like since I've been doing it and and been interested in people's stories and where they come from, like I I talk off mic all the fucking time to people. So like every cab driver I have, pretty much, yeah. I I just ask them about them, you know, for the whole ride. If I mean, it feels if it feels appropriate, some drivers just want to keep, you know, keep right. that that quiet going. You can sense that, you know, and but it's just it's just. Yeah, I, I, I have become just more interested in other people and just more... Uh, and I, I get something from everyone's story, you know what I mean? Every different person's story, I, I get something from for my life, you know? Right. And that maybe that's selfish, you know? I don't know. But it's also my way to plug into the world, Yeah. you know? And, you know, someone like you who, who we have similar paths in some ways, um, I think it's beneficial for both of us to talk to each other and see where each other... You know, have have figured things out, and where we still need to figure things out. Yeah, right. Yeah, and I think, and I find it good. I mean, good can come come of it. It's not that I say, oh, if there's any kind of impurity or I sense any desire or something in there, I, I I'm going to go lashing myself the whole right, way for right. you know for it. But and, and and forgive me if I've already done that no, you know, here. But if any, if nothing else, it, it feels it feels good to at least acknowledge it. You know, yeah. if I if I felt like I came from that, I can say, well, look, this is part of what why I came down here. And if I can just say that and say, hey, I'm sorry, I'm that way, and I do have desires. Yeah. And I at least own up to them. Then at least I feel like it's a starting point, or at least I'm just I'm just trying to understand why I do what I do and and why I would respond this versus that way. Absolutely. To, I have know. the same. I have that. I have that same struggle, man. You know, and I and I talk to you know, people on the podcast sometimes that are kind of famous and shit. Like, I mean, you're kind of famous, but even more famous. And, you know, and sometimes it, it feels like, you know, I do question that. Right. Like, well, why am I talking to this person? Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. But um, I feel like always when I settle in with somebody and start talking and get into a more intimate territory and specifics and life stuff, that all kind of, fades away because that that stuff is 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 very surface you know yeah. and and that's that first onion layer that peels off real easy right you know? yeah no i agree so yeah i agree i kind of only only becomes an issue when i look back on 
how I got here. Yeah. You know, I thought, oh, why did I end up th- th- saying yes and leaving the house today? Yeah. And, you know, but but if I say, well, the heck with that. That's that's done. You know, I'm here, and then we can. There is a way to peel peel that next layer and say, yeah. all right, well, here here we have an opportunity. What whoever you are, like whatever you do, you know, yeah. whatever becomes of this. If nothing, if you don't ever post this, and you don't ever, it's not even about this. Like, that's the thing. It's right, about exactly, this. Yeah. right. But I, there's something about the my. I think the reason I I think this even came up is because you asked about my you know my beliefs, and that comes from my parents, and I try to come to terms with why. I think we were talking about my mom and her direction toward. In solitude and mm-hmm. what I called quietism, mm-hmm. and just that she, um, you know, right now what I'm doing, I, I think I started to say, like my mom, she can, she, like, I mean, I should say, like my mom, I can leave the house and talk to people and be act kind of normal and try to figure out what you're interested in and go there to some extent. Again, it's a weird dynamic that. You're asking me a lot of questions, and I haven't heard as much about your life. You're, you're more than welcome to ask me stuff too. It is like I don't I don't like to think about it as a formal interview of any yeah. kind. Like you, it can be back and forth. Completely. Yeah, but then you see because because you do have a handful of these podcasts posted somewhere, yeah. right? So people who are following you or listening to the, to you, do they end up having to hear like about me same, more than once? Yeah, or like hear the same thing in a couple right. different podcasts. I mean, do, do you end up? I try to very very my. Uh, the way I would say something, I guess. Right, 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 right. So, I mean, I, as far as... Because a lot of this, for me, has been autobiographical. You know, like, this is where I come from, and this is where my, my beliefs kind of emerged. Um, but for you, I'm sure there's a thousand things you could talk about. about yeah, about but, but I mean, you know, you're going to ask me a different... If you ask me a question, it's going to be a different question than, than uh, you know, somebody else would ask me. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, that's fine, yeah. Well, definitely the um, the standout thing, I mean, the, the messianic... Judaism was was a surprise to me. I guess I assumed you were Jewish um, outright. You know, I didn't. I, I wouldn't have thought the messianic yeah. dimension. I from what I read and or so from you what, didn't know until we just started talking, right? Yeah, okay. Right. Uh, I, I would have thought I would have thought just Hebrew origins. Yeah, um, but uh, yeah, my, I, I grew but, up. May I ask about that? Like, what, sure. I, I grew uh, up in 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 that, and and uh, my dad is a rabbi, messianic rabbi, and. You know, one of the, I guess, second second generation of Messianic Jews. Like, in the first generation was really like Marty Chernoff, like the like David and Joel's father. Okay. You know, and and some other people in his generation, very small generation, and then the next generation was like my dad and, <coughs> and Joel and and David and all those guys, um, and so you know, I, I grew up with the. You know, as as the, the, as a sort of like a child of royalty to an extent, yeah. And and, and, and you know, if you want to think of it like that in, in a cultish way, right, right. You know, in a way, it was like that. So, um, you know, we grew up going to these conferences every year uh, in Grantham, PA, and we'd come here because my parents are both from here. Um, so yeah, basically, we went to Cincinnati because Marty Chernoff. Um, Joel and, and David's father moved to Philadelphia from Cincinnati. Okay. And my father took over his synagogue in, in Cincinnati. Okay. So that's why I ended up being born there. Is and that's where they're still they're still living? Yeah. Uh, so is he still the rabbi there? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Do you ever do, do you know the 
is it Joel who's at the, the the one in the main line here? Is that Joel D- Chernoff? David, is, is, the, David? Okay. is the rabbi, but Joel is very involved as yeah. well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you stay in touch with those guys? No, no. I don't. I, I just saw Joel's daughter in L.A. Sharon? Sharon. Yeah. You know her? Mm-hmm. Oh, cool. Yeah. Yeah, I saw her a couple months ago. Um, so, I mean, you know, to an extent, and I know the general things that go on with people just because you hear it through the grapevine I guess yeah, but yeah. I'm not super tied in yet mm-hmm. but um, let's talk about music a little if that's alright yeah 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 I mean I love the spiritual talk probably most in a way but but I'm also quite interested in in uh, music stuff with, with you so you grew up you were in high school you were kind of a hardcore kid Straight edge, vegan. Are you still vegan? Straight edge. I'm vegan again. Okay. So I fell off the wagon for a while. I'm back on. Okay. But I've always, I, I, I've always been. I guess I stopped saying I was straight edge for a while. I mean, I tried a, a drink here or there. I probably had about five or six in your life tastes in my life okay. of either wine or beer or once something even harder. It was, I just never liked it, and so I went back to being straight edge. And so okay, back, yeah. But back and you never me. did drugs at all. Nah. Okay. No, that was my parents were really actually they were really in, actually that was I think about the only thing they the only hard the only hard and fast like tangible moral they instilled in me they said to believe in God and then they said don't do drugs because they both did a fair amount of drugs yeah and they both struggled with pretty severe mental illnesses and okay. they attributed those illnesses to the drug use oh okay so they like were psychedelics or something yeah, yeah yeah so they said don't 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 touch it and I. So I listened, and I I was happy with that. Especially when I found Straight Edge, because it was tough in high school, not doing it, not drinking or but anything. That was a way to like you have yeah you have all these other people that are in it with you, and it's something that you can call yourself, that, right? So people know. And it felt was, even more rebellious than drinking. Right, and drinking right. was obviously a cool thing at that time. It's like right. you're not supposed to do it. But when enough people were doing it, it felt like I was supposed to do it according to peer pressure. Yeah, and Straight Edge was a way I could. Rebel so against far that, left of left, kinda, yeah, yeah. 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 It's like back, full circle, full back to the right, yeah, the right, exactly, yeah. right, yeah, sure. Um, and then, did did you ha- were you in bands in high school and stuff? Yeah, I guess I, right right around, I guess around tenth grade, I started playing drums. My brother was um, a bass player, okay, and so I got a drum kit and try, you know, played in a few kind of garage. You know, maybe a show at a bar here and there, but you know, recording a demo tape, but nothing that ever got into a proper studio or anything. Yeah. Until maybe I was in, probably in college, maybe my maybe my second or third year in college, and I joined a band with actually almost the same lineup as my current band, but just everyone doing different things. Like I was the drummer, mm-hmm. and our current bass player was the singer and guitar player, and we also right. had a, um, my brother joined the band a little later, so we had. Even a fourth guy from our band, at some point, was in that, but just you know, like I said, rearranged in terms of who. And, and what was that called again? We were called the Operation. Operation, that's right. Yeah. And and what, was that was that like Christian themed or something? Because that that ended up on Tooth and Nail, right? That was um, the label is called Takehold. Takehold. And they okay. got, um, mer- kind of merged with Tooth and Nail. Okay. And then the band kind of disintegrated because okay. we started our current band, Me Without You, as a sort of side project to that. But that's then right. that one picked up a little bit more momentum so we kind of 
uh, disbanded. Uh, the operation just kind of fell apart. What What made you want to move from from drums to to go out front? Had you started writing at that point, and it was it? No, it wasn't. Um, I don't think it was words. It was more motion. I think I felt kind of confined as a drummer with the energy that I had, and I wanted to dance more. Yeah. I guess I really and I, I tried. You know, playing drums. I would. You know, I think it, it was for me. I was never a good drummer in terms of technically or anything, but I really, really loved to play. Yeah. And I would really give it my all. Super sloppy, but it was definitely you know a full body workout. You <laughs> yeah, know everything. Yeah. You know so, and I felt like man, if I didn't have this stool here and this big old lunky in, you know instrument, you know I could have more fun performing. Yeah. So I started to actually it started with, it was almost a mistake, but my friend and I uh, recorded a. It was a Christmas present for his sister. It was like a, it was a joke kind of hardcore song. We were just screaming something about I don't remember what we were something about Christmas. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I listened to it. And I thought, you know what? That sounds cool. You know, I mean, yeah. it's, it's there's potential there. I'd never screamed before. You know, it's a, it's a kind of an awkward thing to to do for the first time. You know, yeah. how am I gonna like? It's like a, you got to just jump off the cliff. You know, and 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 see how it sounds. And and I did. And I, and I thought, oh, this is kind of nice. You know. Mm-hmm. So then. We recorded an EP, and it, was, it just felt like a series of accidents. You know, okay. it wasn't something I was very determined to do. That's the best way, man. That's yeah. how the most you know new things get get uh, done. I feel like. Yeah, well, th- yeah, this was for sure. It, it wasn't. None of us were determined in it, and none of us ever had any plans to mm-hmm. see it through or to do it for a living. You know, it just kind of was something we're doing on the side. Now, I don't want to say as a joke because it wasn't meant to be funny, but it was. It just was like no pressure. Exactly. Yeah. It was very low. It was very low pressure, and then and then we you know we got Tooth and Nail offered us a recording contract. So people people liked that even more than than the operation in a way. And yeah, and I I don't know about people in general, but definitely I mean Tooth and Nail was I mean they were labeled with enough money to put us in. You know, we told them our first choice for uh, a studio and a producer, and they said we'll make it happen. And they had this really impressive distribution, Mm -hmm. and you know it seemed like they had a kind of a kind of a group of devoted listeners that would kind of check out any new band that was on their label. So it was kind of an opportunity to be, when we were talking about signing with them, well, we had no other options. There was zero right. other offers on the table. Right. So we were warned, you know, this is going to come with some religious baggage and kind of Christian expectations. And we said, oh, we'll, we'll be fine. You know? But why did they, did, did you have, were you already singing like some... You didn't have that 2002 record yet because that that you made, I assume, at the studio that you're talking about with the producer you're talking about. Right. So they heard what that first EP of stuff. We had an EP we recorded in Westchester, okay. you know, Westchester, PA. Sure. And um, that was it. Was just five songs, but and we did it in a day. But it turned out, you know, to be a pretty good representation. But did it have Christian themed lyrics? Like, what did they what did they pick up on it that they that they wanted? I think. Um, I don't know how overt it was. I had to go back and think about the, the lyrics of those songs, but we were affiliated with the operation who was signed with Take Hold, okay, which was you. also a Christian affiliated kind I of label. You. And we had okay. played at a festival called Cornerstone. Yeah, I know Cornerstone. In Illinois, yeah. yeah. So that's where they actually saw us. We just played a generator like stage on the dirt road. Okay. It was unofficial, but we we had a, a, a few good coincidences that ended up with a fair amount of people at the show, and then someone from the label walked by and was like, oh, who's this? And we gave them, you know, the, the, the EP and that's kind of how it came together. So I think they could infer that we were somehow affiliated with Christianity, if not explicitly, 
you know, yeah. a Christian band at any point. It was I, close I, enough. I don't mean to harp on that anyway, but it, why I ask is, is you ended up in that scene sort of, right? I think we, we, we tried to kind of push against it. From the beginning, we had a friend who was also in a band on Tooth and Nail, but himself not a Christian and not... You know, and didn't think very very highly of the, that scene. This is Ludacris or Norma Jean. Let's see. No? He was. Um, he was. Uh, I shouldn't say he. I shouldn't say he's not a Christian. As if I know that as a fact. I don't get the impression that he identifies as a Christian. Um, but he, his band was called Roadside Monument, Roadside and he Monument. went on to be an um, unwed sailor. Unwed sailor. Okay. So really talented guy named Jonathan. Beautiful, beautiful fellow, and great bass player. Just really, really super talented. But he told us, you know, if you want to. Um, you're at a stage in your career from the very beginning he told us you could go either way you know if you start playing churches and Christian festivals and Christian venues there's a lot of money there because people will just give they'll kind of give their tithe money to support the the arts and and to give does that feel weird though? oh yeah well I mean for me at the beginning I'm a little bit ashamed to say I wasn't very sensitive to it I thought well it felt a little weird but I didn't have any strong beliefs about it and to their credit I'll say it was a few other guys in the band our bass player at the time had really strong convictions about not selling anything inside a church yeah. he thought because of the you know the, the scripture about yeah, the, the, the sure. market and the marketplace and he said you know if we have merchandise and we play at church we're, we had to set it up outside or I'm not playing and in hindsight, I, I respect like him for I like it. That you know? a lot. Yeah. At the time, I just thought he was a pain in the neck. You right. know, I was like, "Oh, come on, why are you so tight?" And our our drummer, I, I think, again t- to his credit, was very sensitive about I, what I would say in hindsight was a kind of a strange and manipulative uh, religious presence or a spirit I, um, in some of the people we worked with at some of the shows we'd play. You know, one, for example, we played a show that was kind of again there's. And I'm not sure how much you know about this world. Not that much. I, I never was in the hardcore world. Um, yeah, not, not not too much. I mean, you know, I know Dan Smith decently, and he, you know, he was on Tooth and Nail in the very beginning, I think. Yeah. Um, you know, but yeah, not 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 too much. Well, there's one, and I'm I'm not sure how you know indicative this is of. I don't like to generalize about a Christian scene or anything like that because I'm sure every every place is different yeah. and, and and even day to day people change and so there's not like this one way it looks you know but I do remember one show in particular we played and it was it felt like a youth group kind of event where yeah. it was you know family friendly and parents there and and in between bands someone would get up and kind of talk and it was always kind of you know, it felt like they were trying to get people to believe something, you know, and and then at some point, it, you know, it, it, the rubber hit the road and they're saying, you know, we're here to let you know about Jesus Christ and all these things. And I thought I was a little taken aback. Like, oh, I didn't expect that. You know, it was wasn't much. It was you. a little much. It yeah. was a little bit, you know, felt like a kind of a bait and switch kind yeah. of, uh, but, but I, at the same time, I wasn't that upset about it. Well, and I don't hope this, this is, this isn't meant to throw him under the bus. It's actually the opposite. Cause I say it with respect that, that, our drummer after that show we you know went back to the hotel room and he was just weeping just weeping 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 i can't do this i can't do this you know and i didn't understand why it affected him so much at the time because i think i was a little bit desensitized to that whole world it just it felt weird but not necessarily anything wrong i just thought ah oh, so you know that's the way they want to go about things and yeah. you know to some extent i still believe that but the point is for for us there was a deciding moment or a deciding uh, season or period where we had to really ask ourselves: Do we want to 
plug into this circuit, you know, and start making connections in this world and portray ourselves as a church-friendly, family-friendly Christian kind of band? Or do we want to, you know, go and play bars and secular route, go, you know, places like Union, well, Union Transfer went around back then, but places that, you know, they're not asking you what you believe and they're not asking you. The Unitarian Church. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yeah. Exactly. So that was something we decided, I think, with, with relative um, unanimity early on saying yeah none of us want it felt like it was like a- so when he was weeping I mean was was it because he was Christian and it felt weird or he or he, he just didn't want to be affiliated with that world my impression was he I mean he was raised Catholic I don't know what um, where his beliefs are yeah. that were at that point or are today but um, I got the impression he was more sensitive to to the manipulative yeah nature of what was being said yeah. and to um what in now when I look back, what was something at the very least fishy, if not outright, you know, objectionable? That I look back, man, I, I would never want to play and support, you know, drag, draw people into something like that, and then have a guy get up on stage and give him the sales pitch at the end. You know, it's just not something I'd want anything to do with. And he felt that earlier than I did. You know, I think he was more instrumental in steering us toward a secular so route. So, what what year was that when when? Like when that happened, and when you made the decision to move towards a more secular route, that was the, it. Was the very beginning. I mean, that must have been our. our if it 02, wasn't our oh two oh three, yeah, okay. yeah, I'd say so. Well, we continued to play Cornerstone um, because it was you can dip in and out of that, right? And, and still being, and yeah. we we felt some kinship and still do with the the community who puts that on and a relative openness that we felt by a lot of the people there. And just it was where we got our start, so we felt some sentimental attachment, I think. And yeah. That, that it, it, we, we ceased to play it, and that now it has discontinued. But for a while, we would we would play that and and, and maybe one other every now and again, a Christian-affiliated kind of festival. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, we just tried to steer clear of it because it felt like people were just going to listen to us because we were affirming their beliefs and not because they cared about what we were, you know, the art we were making or about anything we were ch- that we were trying to say that might have been challenging to their beliefs is almost like they were just looking to filter out anything that conflicted and just find the stuff that reinforced where they were already at. Yeah. You know what I mean? I know what you mean. Yeah. 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 Um, so on another note, something that, but, but maybe related something that I, I noticed in listening to, to your albums is that they progressively have gotten like farther away from fundamental hardcore, you know, um, or what I would think, not that it started as fundamentalist hardcore, I don't know what that is, but like, at least to my ear, what would sound more related to stuff that I've heard in the hardcore scene, and and to now being something that I, I can't categorize, exactly, which is a very good thing, you know, um, but it's a hell of a lot wordier, uh, a lot more... Um, I mean, to me, it's almost like prose poems set to music, um, and the music is softer, not as not as as heavy. You know, has that been intentional along the way, or just kind of like this natural evolution of things? I, th- I think a little of both. There was, um, I think, our fourth album was the furthest away from from that initial sound that we had, and and that was a point where I was really deliberate on. On, re, on, on. That's the brothers and sisters one. It, it was the one after that. It was okay. called "It's All Crazy, It's All False." Yeah, 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 yeah. So I, I wanted to completely make a break from where we began and say, I, you know, I don't want to rely on these old 
tricks that we that that got us here. And mostly, I was thinking of of shouting and um, and distortion and loud drums yeah. and just and the power of the, the of the, was the sound that was coming at you. The, the dynamics, you know, we get small, we get big, we get right. The, the easy easy tricks or whatever to right. manipulate the audience in a way, but not not in a bad way, but that just work flash works they would work yeah. and, i mean and i and i don't mean i don't want to minimize what the guy especially what the guys did on the on the second and third i mean the first album was pretty straightforward and yeah. you know still good i i like yeah. it but yeah. it wasn't you know but especially our second and third album we tried we had, we had tried to move away from that and incorporate yeah those are still very unique up. yeah so i don't mean to just say oh we you know i wanted to start making real music because we were just doing kids stuff before it's like I, I, I'm proud of every, every album we've done in, in a different way but for the fourth one in particular to answer your question I was I was pushing us to just I guess reinvent ourselves I want to make an album that sounds like the kind of music I like listening to these days which was all soft and acoustic instrument based and folk minded and what sort of stuff if I may ask like what, what bands were you listening to at that time or, or artists that led you in that direction sort of I think probably more than anyone um, I think Bob Dylan and Leonard Cohen have been like the most long standing me too yeah, those, yeah really well Bob Dylan like yeah since I grew up yeah like, yeah yeah and then Leonard Cohen later yeah yeah I think from from when I from pretty early on well Bob Dylan from my dad and some of that Same here. or Jim Croce Simon and Garfunkel yep. um, Grateful Dead I mean different things I heard just li- growing up that stuck with me and when I go back and revisit it I think this this has aged well. Other things he used to listen to, they didn't stick, you know. But those ones, th- those kinds of those kinds of songwriters, I thought, man, he had some good taste, you know. And yeah. um, Leonard Cohen, I got into a little bit later, but um, and then as far as our roughly our generation, um, bands like Nutramilk Hotel, uh-huh. I think um, gave me the confidence that hey, this can still be done. Like, in you know, someone, ab- I mean, about about my age can take a three or four chords on an acoustic guitar and do something beautiful with mm-hmm, it you know it's mm-hmm. it's still doable and and so i was shooting for something like that and i think it just didn't feel <clears throat> it didn't feel as much like a group effort it was more like um my imposition and you, on you were you were writing those songs yourself with guitar or whatever i'd say about half or just over half of those albums those yeah. songs were sort of already completed in terms yeah. of structure and lyrics yeah when i brought into the band and and later i've heard from them they kind of felt less a part of it like my brother said to me I felt like a studio musician on yeah. that album like you, you, you just showed up with your songs and then like I tried to noodle around and make something cool but it didn't feel like he had really written a song yeah. together with me you know and you're very sensitive to that yeah so you that, want the other guys to feel involved and everything right and it was yeah. just a weird time personally I think for some of them they were elsewhere and so I kind of took the reins because I was I was more focused at that time on the band and mm-hmm. and, and able to do the songwriting so then for the following for the fifth album which is the last one we did with Daniel mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> it wasn't so much we decided to go back to our old sound but more like uh, uh, just let go of the reins and see what happens in an effortless I mean, kind of t- to me that's even further almost into because those I mean it's almost like a concept album no I mean it's 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 like Barnum and Bailey Civil War something or other going on. I don't know exactly yeah. what's going on, but it's definitely decidedly something. Right. You know? Yeah. Um, Have you ever done done that with an album or kind of taken a very specific and deliberate approach to, to it as a whole? 
I, you know, I have trouble getting outside of myself like that. You know, th- that se- that album seems super like, you know, you're really writing stories. Yeah. I guess I've struggled to get outside of myself enough. I feel like at some point I will probably do something like that. But as of yet, it's always been somewhat self-absorbed material, you know, that's like d- derived from my life or something. Yeah. Which is, so does that feel like it's at, at all um, a counterpoint to you saying you have trouble? I mean, I don't, I feel like maybe I'm not fully understanding the distinction when you said you don't give yourself away as much, but you're open, you know, so you don't mind talk, singing about yourself or rapping about yourself and you'll get up on stage in front of hundreds or thousands of people and, and lay it all out there, right? But then you still feel like there's something that you're holding back or... There's, yeah, like I can say stuff. There's a difference between, it's, a, it's the difference between talk and action, I think, you know? Yeah. Um, and, you know, something that, you know, I say, I told you, I take something from every conversation I have for the podcast and stuff, and, and not for the podcast, but, you know, something that has definitely made my ears perk up earlier was you saying that you and your wife have a, a sort of a deal that you'll be alone together somewhat or, or however you said it you said it more eloquently than that but that's something that I had never really heard about or thought about you know and because like I said I feel so set in my in my solitude that I don't know how, how to marry that with with someone else's being right you know um you know that said i i i have made a career out of investigating how i feel about the world and then sharing that with the world you know and you know from my heart you know um yeah and i feel like you've done that to an extent but you're also able to get outside of yourself it seems like well the, i'm not sh- i'm not sure because the sometimes if that was my hope in, in starting to write. I think by our fourth album, I had decided, okay, I'm going to put a few s- storyteller kind of songs on here, and I'm not going to use the I pronoun, and I'm going to, you know, just be a fly on the wall and give these characters, you know. But of course, <clears throat> I realized at some point that they're all, you know, parts of whatever I'm thinking, you know, so they're just, ex- you know, expressions of, uh, I mean, it's almost like each one contains the other, because when, when I ri- have written in the, in the first person, and I think, well, I'm just, I'm just spilling my heart right now. I'm just being me. You know, this is just where, this is just who I am. You know, I don't really think that's, to- I don't, I don't necessarily think that's true. Or I don't, it's not. I don't see it as, as that straightforward because, of course, I mean, what any anybody is, you know, whatever you are, Yoni is like a this amalgamation of like all. You know what I mean? Some things you it's say. It's a collection of the, everything right. around me. Definitely. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, so it's in a sense, in a sense, it's like a, even when you talk about I this I that. It's you're telling a story of a life that doesn't totally belong to you. No, you're right. As a writer, as a writer, we uh, we become reflections of our surroundings in right. a way, and that's what that's what our gift is. I think is to be able to be sensitive enough to know what we're reflecting or what to reflect. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Something yeah. Like well, I, well, I agree completely. I don't know. I'm always hesitant the moment I say, "Oh yeah, yeah." As a writer, I agree. I think there's a voice on my shoulder. You're not a writer, you asshole. You're a, sure. you're a hack, you know. But I mean, I think, I think when I read somebody who I think, "Oh yeah," well, this is a, definitely a writer, no doubt about it. 
that's usually what I credit them as doing, you know, just what you just said, yeah. like being able to kind of kind of reflect what, whatever they've been steeped in. Um, and, 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 and on the flip side, you know, I guess to what I, what I was saying a minute ago, like, you know, when you're telling a story and you think, you know, you're keeping yourself out of it, you know, and, I'm, yeah. and for me, it's pretty, it's pretty blatant, you know, but I have like a, you know, a tiger and a peacock and an elephant right. that are like talking to it, you know, and each kind of representing, at least in my intent, uh, a, a a pretty different worldview or, or course of action in life, you know, or how they would de- cope with kind of the same or, or whatever circumstances or, um, that they're presented with. They're all things I can, I'm, I'm struggling with as far as where do I fall in this? Like different parts of your own psyche saying this or that. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, there's a kind of, there's, there's the act, you know, the more the activist of like, I gotta lay down my life for others. And then there's the, the kind of come back to the quietest idea of like the tiger in particular on our last album is like, the one who I think represents my mom and or that strain of thought like you don't have to go anywhere and do anything in the world you're Just not gonna be. right you're gonna find like Bala would talk about the whole world is inside of you and everybody that you see you know including the, this fellow across on the couch or anybody in the band or in the crowd tonight they all are in you everything is a whole world exists inside of you and what you see on the outside is just a reflection and it's God's way of showing you something of yourself that you couldn't you don't have the uh, the skill to navigate entirely inwardly, so God is showing you on the outside something mm-hmm. about yourself that you couldn't, you know, deftly tease out and solve, like a, a, a conundrum or something. Anyway, I'm, I'm butchering it. I'm no, sure. No, I but, like you know, that though. But that's one way of looking at it. Where I, I, th- I had to recognize, even when I'm, I think I'm telling these stories and I'm, I have all these different characters. It's my own schizophrenia coming out, you know, because they're all. I agree, and to some extent, I, I feel connected with all of them and I identify with each of them even though they're saying things that might be totally contradictory and incoherent when you try to put them into one character or one person you know I think well I'm, I'm not a coherent person but I contain all these different voices does that make sense yeah absolutely absolutely has going deeper into writing like that and 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 I assume you're taking a hell of a lot more time right to, to write and stuff yeah have you found that has your audience followed you through all that and been like supportive and into that and been like, hell yeah, this is like some next level shit or have a lot of them been like, I like them when they were like louder. Right. I don't know. That's a good question. I, I know we did lose a lot. Uh, you know, I, I, I can look at how many albums we sold and say, yeah, once I stopped shouting, we definitely took a nosedive. You yeah. know, to the people, I, I think a lot of people say, what are they doing? You know? Yeah. And, and uh, I don't know <coughs> how much, I try not to pay attention but too much just, to that. You, know, you can look out and see who's at your, how many people are at your shows. Right. Yeah, not as many these days. I <laughs> okay. but, but still okay. I mean, I think yeah. our, our most recent album kind of brought back some of the original okay. you know, dynamics that we had and that appealed to, you know, people say, oh, they're, they're, they're back to their old, you know, their old style or something. And, and I, tr- I try not to let that dictate, but you're right, you can kind of look around and, and there's never been a dramatic shift. Like, we never had a big break that brought us in front of huge crowds that like radically changed our trajectory nor have we ever had a a cliff a, cl- a cliffside kind of drop off right. you know we've had kind of ebbs and flows in terms of how how many people are coming to the shows or or how many people buy the new the new album and <clears throat> I, I don't know how much anyone is in tune with the changes i i've been really flattered by how much anyone would care to ask me you know, after a show, for example, someone would say, like, you know, so what does the, um, 
you know, the, the rabbit on, on the album represent, you know, and they're, they're asking me questions. I think, well, if you want to know, I'll tell you, you know, right. they, they, I did think about this and it's yeah. something that's personal and, me, and really meaningful to me. And if you, if you're interested in where I'm coming from as a human being, you know, more than just, I'm going to dance and sing these melodies or something, I'll, I'll tell you, you know, it, but generally I've, I thought, man, most times I don't, I don't get as many of those as I, as I think I expect, you know, I think it's probably maybe my own arrogance, but I think you I'm putting, expect people to listen real hard, listen real hard and yeah. say like, pick apart like these different lyrics. What do you, what do you mean by that? You know? And, and how does that line up with this lyric over here that seems to contradict it? Is that intentional or, and I don't get a lot, I mean, I don't know. I have no other, um, norm by, by which to, uh, against which to compare, you know? I'm I'm in the same boat. Like yeah. I, I always like yeah. A dream to me would be like, you know, I do interviews from time to time, just you know, from magazines or whatever. And a dream to me would be at some point, you know, you're doing it, and then they just start, you know, asking you about all these specifics that they've kind of puzzle pieced together because, you know, you spend so much time on your lyrics, and you and you you get so deep into it yeah. that it's a whole nother world right. you know and and you live in that world for the time that you're working on it and you know you, you the hope and it is maybe it is arrogant you know is that people will invest so much time that they really will start to you know um find the strings you know and and, and where they you know where the thread is through through all the work and and the the times that you referenced other things you know vaguely in your in you know in other songs or whatever you know exactly you're all right, that right. stuff that you put so much time and effort into and rarely rarely does anyone notice any of that but you know but 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 they do what they do respond to i think is um your conviction or seriousness with what you're doing anyway even yeah. if they don't follow every every thread or whatever yeah i think there's a i think there's an initial impression of a depth that would come across. I'm thinking of your songs in particular, and and it's funny because when I thought another dimension of, if you don't mind my telling you, of, of my conflict today and coming here, was was thinking of, of my concern for how I was going to come across to you. You know, I wonder what he's going to think of me, and I wonder if, you know, I remember and I had my macaroon, and I thought, well, this will be nice, but will it come across as too nice and too, you know what I mean? Whatever my whatever my th- thinking of like managing the impression I make on people. And I thought, you know what, ultimately, I don't have to say, because I have all these things I'm thinking about these days and all these conflicts and all these interesting, you know, news stories I'm reading that I'm like, oh, I wonder what, what we could talk about. You know, what are we going to talk mm-hmm. about? And I, I, at some point, I discarded all that. And I said, you know, probably it, neither of us are going to remember much about exactly what we talked about. You know, in all likelihood, neither of us are going to remember everything we talked mm-hmm. about. And maybe 10 years from now, neither of us will, will be able to reproduce a single sentence from this conversation. That, from this conversation. Yeah. But I don't think either of us will ever forget how we felt mm-hmm. to each other, mm-hmm. to be in the room together. And just the general emotional kind of impression we made on each other, I think is lasting. Mm-hmm. You know, that, will, that will resonate with me. And I think there's a similar thing that could be said about the words that you write, you know, even if somebody doesn't understand all the references that they're making, and, and a lot, some of them, I'm sure, inside jokes for yourself and things nobody could get, or things that you know you're tying together that the threads, 
that connect them are invisible. Mm-hmm. You know, you couldn't never expect anyone, unless it was like a full-time job, you know, <laughs> to understand all the rev- illusions that you're making yeah. and like the web you're trying to weave. But they feel a depth mm-hmm. to who you are and to what you're going through and to the kinds of questions you're wrestling with and the kind of heart you have. Yeah. That um, they don't have to understand all the details. You know, they can, at least that's my impression because actually... To, if, I had thought, wouldn't it be nice if I could show up a little more prepared and I'd like to study some of these lyrics, you know, and really get to know this guy's words and where he's coming from in his mind. Um, And then today just snuck up on me. I thought he was one of those, like, wake up, like, it can't be the 22nd. It feels like it's still June and it's September 22nd and I got to go meet up with him and I haven't done that homework, you know what I mean? It's not your job to do that. Yeah, it's not not your job. It's my podcast after all. Um (laughs) And I did prepare a little bit and study you a little bit, but that that said, I have a good feeling talking to you. That's I have a good emotional response, um, and I will remember the conversation because I go back and edit and listen to it. Okay, and right, right. So I'll remember <laughs> to an extent. Um, but why, 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 why the use of the animals? Like what? Like that seems pretty consistent. At least the last two records, um, and a little bit before that, even too um, the the. With the title of the, of the the fox and the what is the title? Uh, is it the Catch for Us the Foxes yeah. the album? Yeah, Catch yeah, for yeah, Us the yeah. Foxes. Um, well, first of all, I'm curious about actually the 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 foxes. That there's a line about um, basically catching the foxes because they're they're ruining the the vines for 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 wine making, right? And that that comes from. Um, the Bible somewhere. Yeah, I don't know where. Where does that come from? The Bible somewhere. <laughs> yeah, doesn't matter. <laughs> I got no more specifics. Than yeah, you. I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah. But but um, what what does that mean to you? It, I, it's a metaphor, I assume, for for your life or for you know society or something. Yeah, I, I think at the time I certainly remember having a specific meaning for it. You know, I can definitely tell you that. Um, and it was I, I guess I had a sense of um, the kind of slow and amorphous deterioration of conviction or purity or, or clarity that I mean I think it's easy for us to uh, point at the really big transgressions like a, the, the, the murderer and the rapist and say like, oh these are the bad guys you know these are the ones who we gotta lock up and keep out you know away from from the rest of us who are who are on the straight path you know or something but but I had the feeling that well I mean I wasn't doing anything like that you know I'd never done any kind of real big crime or heinous sort of thing but I still felt at the time like I'd gone very far away from whatever that that state of childhood kind you, of you felt a body full of naughty foxes I guess so I felt like a lot of little things that yeah. that could be hidden or could I guess the, the appeal of the fox is the idea that it was cunning and I don't even know if it's true about foxes, but I think of them as being clever and being stealthy kind of animals that can sneak around. And, and a lot of it, to be more straightforward than, than all that, Bawa used to write about animals all the time. He okay. would, he, I shouldn't say write. He was an oral teacher. He didn't write stories, but he would... Like allegory or whatever. Right. Yeah. And whether, I mean, like Aesop's Fable or yeah. anything where he's trying to appeal to a wide audience and, of course, a, 
a four-year-old listening to a story with a talking fox come yeah sure that's not, it's, it's a it's a colorful image and there's something on a very basic level that's appealing about picturing animals i just happen to love animals on a on a kind of totally non-brain level a non-intellectual and on you know kind of level i just have a very very strong heart response to animals mm-hmm. but i also grew up hearing stories by Bawa, where the protagonists and the antagonists were predominantly animals. Okay. And so I was just in a world of uh, amorph- uh, anthropomorphic mm-hmm. creatures, animals and vegetables and fruits, and it just didn't seem unusual to me that a lime could have a conversation with a deer, for example. Right. Um, and so when I started to write, it just it, it kind of felt, I think it was a little easier to um, start to put some of my own personality into these different voices in a way that just felt colorful and avoided some of the trappings of the heavy, dark kind of like hardcore scene of mm-hmm. we want to sing about really intense things and all this pain. Right, everything is through. blood, fire, and uh, yeah. Right. And yeah. to me, there's something kind of refreshing about having these sort of childish images. I mean, I remember at one point the guy saying, we want to start write, you know, write these kind of heavy songs. And I wanted to write a children's album. And we were working with Daniel Smith at the time. And I thought we were going to kind of determine once and for all we simply couldn't work together anymore because our trajectories were so dissimilar. And then, and when we had these, they all said, we want to write heavy songs. I said, I want to write for kids. And then Daniel said, I don't see a problem here. This could be really interesting. <laughs> That's very Daniel. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that, that, and, and it was literally that day that we decided to do our most recent album because we, we, we went to him not knowing if we were going to do an album. We just wanted to meet and talk. And then, Because you were a fan of his stuff? Well, we had we had worked with him on the previous album, okay. Yeah, because a few of us were really uh, admirers of what he's done, mm-hmm. and um, we really hit a, hit it off with him personally. So after the fourth one, we de- we worked with him at his studio for the fifth one, and it was when he saw that as possible to bridge that that gap between like the kind of music they were writing, which was darker, and some of the, I mean, there's dark themes and definitely in what I was writing, but I wanted it to come across in a way that was ultimately. Um, accessible for anyone uh, no matter their age and that had an element of lighthearted or uh, whimsical kind of almost joy I guess or something almost funny or that I couldn't take myself too seriously when I'm having a you know a a tiger as you know talking to Mm -hmm. you know to the peacock and it's something uh, fundamentally silly and and unbelievable about the whole thing that lets me not take it um take myself too seriously in mm-hmm, it i guess mm-hmm. <clears throat> so that i think is maybe my 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 knee-jerk reaction to my to, to the question about why in general yeah the, the uh the animals but then for that album with the catch for us the foxes i think it was just feeling that there were small things that had that had you're, you're, piled up you're a perfectionist with with perfection with uh like the, the purity Yes. Yeah. I'm, unfortunately, I tried to. What is it? The what is that called? The Meyer, not the Myers Briggs. Enneagram. Okay. You ever hear of that? I don't know that one. I know the Myers Briggs. It's Enneagram is similar, sort of a personality test. You answer a bunch of questions, and you can get dropped into one of these categories. Yeah. Of what you are, and one of them is your. You know, is I think it's the perfectionist. Is yeah. what you know. I think it's a number one or a number six or something. You know, you you're somewhere in the scale. And um, one of my best friends is is the uh, the observer who kind of just kicks back and yeah. watches things and wants to learn. And I'm trying to be more like him in that respect. Mm-hmm. You know, I think more recently I've tried to be, accept my imperfections, accept the imperfections I see in my wife. Uh, if they exist, I mean, not that, not that there are any, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. she's listed. Uh, but, <laughs> no, but uh, you know, I mean, I mean, sorry, but 
anywhere, you know, no matter where I go, I just have a tendency to find fault, and I yeah, want sure. to get over that and yeah. just be be peaceful. And that thankful. seems wise. That seems like the wise next step, and I'm I'm working towards that next step too. And I think I tend towards perfectionistic um, qualities as well. So yeah, I'm working towards that that observer uh, thing, that that like Zen, whatever you want to call it, yeah. like just not no judgments just observe observing right that kind of thing which seems nice. it seems nice yeah at least as a counterpoint to i mean if, if everyone were just accepting everything i mean you think there's some bad there's some bad stuff in the world sure. you know and, so, and at some point it makes sense for somebody to step in and say all right we can't do this, you know, or you can't, yeah. you can't just go around and op- oppressing others or hurting people. You know, someone has to step in and say, no, you know, as, yeah, as a yeah. kind of a, with, with some sense of a moral compass, or at least that's my sense is that anyone, any of these figures on the Enneagram, there's a place for them. I yeah. Just, I mean, but there's a, there's a time for, there's a time for that sort of like making that, that, that clear cut judgment. And then, but most of the time. You know, unless there's something that that decidedly needs to, you know, you need to stop a murderer or something. Like right, that, right, right, right. <laughs> you know, but I think most of the time it's better to not get emotionally involved in in whatever. You know, doesn't matter, so to speak. Yeah. But on another note, and we're, we we should end this. But I'm curious what you're working on now. That you know, you said you've been writing and stuff, and recording too already. Yeah. yeah. Um, are you recording that with Dan too, or, or or here? No, this one is with a producer named Will Yip, and okay. he lives in Conshohocken. Do you know where that is? Uh-uh. It's not too far from here. It's it, it's probably about ten or fifteen miles from from where we are now. So it's in I think the maybe northern northern suburb ish of um, of Philly. Of Philly. I've heard yeah. that name. It's right outside Manny. If you go like west on seventy six, you go past Maniunk yeah. and there's Roxborough, I think, is an area. But I, I wasn't very very familiar with it until we started we started um, working with him. But um, yeah, the guys have finished it. I think just about all the all the instrumental tracking, and then I'm about halfway done. The, 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 the writing, so, yeah, the, the lyrics. So, do you, will you sit with the tracks and and fill in areas, sort of like rappers do? Like when you, where you'll say, okay, this is here's a sixteen bar verse or whatever that I got to fill in. Yeah, I'd say you know there's a few ways I, um, I mean I'll listen th- through it and see what, you know if part feels like it's it's empty or it's not sufficient on its own. You know it's going to need some some lead vocals or some dense kind of l- lyrical um, element here. And then there's other parts that I mean we don't have a lot of verse chorus verse chorus kind of structures right. where it you know, lends itself to like okay now I'm going to drop in the hook. And I'm not good at writing a hook that I can bring back again and again. Yeah, you guys don't really have hooks. That's right. something that I notice. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'd like you know, not opposed to. I just don't know. We don't really know how. So um, when I listen through to a song, I mean, all the structures, um, they don't. They all they're all so different. I mean, any song, or at least to me, they sound. You know, there's not even if we bring back a verse, especially on the new on the newest set of tracks the second time the verse comes there's going to be an element that changes the feel of it completely that's good though yeah so it, you know it's interesting the songs almost stand alone as instrumental tracks but they but that kind of kind of lin, uh, linear approach to songwriting where we, we can't just drop in another verse and then another chorus we have to at, always ask okay what should this do mm-hmm. next and it's always going to be something a little different and so call for a slightly different or 
entirely different approach vocally. So I had to kind of listen, you know, I'll listen to the songs through a bunch of times and then start to zero in on a specific song and a, a certain part. Like, what does this part need? And then if it comes again, how can I revisit it in a way that that serves the music, but that also, you know, ties in with the original and has some... I mean, each one is so different, you know, and I, I, I'm not sure I could summarize, you know, kind of summarize how overall I approach it, mm -hmm. but mostly I, I spend a bunch of time writing words without any songs in mind first. Then once the songs come together, I start to see where the words that I've written map on um, in terms of the meter and the potential melodies mm -hmm. to the music as it's written, and then kind of lock in some of those words. This is typically how it works. Lock in some of the words I've already written to the to, to whatever song in which they fit. And add stuff to that and, and fit, yeah. Right. I'll kind make, of make bridges between different sections or exactly. something. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I so, do that sometimes too, similar. Yeah, but as you find it's like I suppose it's my show I don't want to keep you anymore, but I'd be curious I've meant to pick your brain more about this and maybe if there's time another time I'd like to like to learn a little bit about your process. Sure, about, sure. You know, writing as you said, like most of the musical element of the yeah. of the song as well as the vocals, right? I mean, you feel like it comes together kind of as one or does one, does one or the other usually come first? It, it depends. It really does depend. But I also write words independently of music like all the time, just kind of like random. Like I, I generally write in like just a couplet here, a stanza there kind of thing and then just kind of collect it all and then start putting all those together. Um, you know, sometimes based around music, but a lot of times just based around the, the subject matter of the words, you know right. what I mean? And then <coughs> sometimes I'll sit at the piano and write, you know, like that, or, or a, a melody might come to my head with a certain lyric, um, just in the shower or whatever, like, you know, and then I might go down to the piano and, and, and find the chords that fit that melody and then see what seems to pop off of that you know did it ever make you anxious i mean i live i live in anxiety no i'm not i'm working against that but you know that's yeah sure why why would you do that's that seems anxiety inducing to you i think to me just writing the words is anxiety inducing but i'm thank i feel really thank fortunate to have these guys with me who are so good at what they do yeah. and they'll bring these songs that I already think are great yeah. you know, before I touch them so it's almost like I can't I can't go that wrong you know because yeah. if I even just if I just avoid totally screwing up it's a it's a cool song right. you know even just in, someone could just tune into the music but if you're basically making something from the ground up like if I wasn't playing music with the guys I'm, I'm with now I don't think I'd be in a band or writing songs on my own you okay. know or writing st even stanzas I don't really enjoy writing very much it's always something that feels it for me it's anxiety so you what would you do if you didn't write you're going to school yeah what are you going to school for urban education urban education mm -hmm. okay so you to be a teacher well i've been teaching the past couple of years yeah, so okay. i'm yeah i'm kind of i've been doing that as a sort as a sort of side part-time uh position and then and then also taking classes so i've been I, I like being in a school context and the more explicitly teaching and learning and thinking about ideas without the without the element of um, what I, maybe if even if, if it's a self-imposed pressure to be creative 
and to say something innovative or to outdo myself. Yeah. Always feeling like I have to progress in my life and in my thinking and then then reflect that in what I'm writing and kind of challenge whoever cares to listen mm-hmm. to you know, move forward with me if I hopefully moving forward. You know, so there's this idea that no matter what I've said before, I have to outdo it and have something essentially new. So I have to be changing and I have to be stressful. It feels stressful to me and for you too. Yeah, it does. But you know, I'm trying to get to a point where I'm back, back to, um, I guess I'm trying to get back to that. No stress idea of just letting it flow and not worrying about what people Mm. get or what people like about it or if people like it or not. Yeah, how's that going? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm working on it, like I said, you know. I'm trying to. It's not easy. Once you know that people are going to hear your shit. Right. Because remember remember back in the day when you didn't think anyone would hear it? When you first started Me Without You off of the other band, it was just like no pressure, right? Oh, yeah. I was writing words like in the studio. I just like, oh, I remember one song. I was like, oh, I I only wrote half, half the... The required amount of lyrics for this part. I'm, I'm going to go upstairs and write the other half. Yeah, and just jotted something down and came down and sang it. It's like, oh, who cares? It's not going anywhere. Right, right, right. Yeah. right. So yeah, so I'm trying to get back to that mentality a bit. But with the, you know, maybe with the new knowledge that I've have over the, from the years of doing what I've been doing, I guess. So. Yeah. All right. Well, let's close it out. I, I've been sitting here with Aaron Weiss in. The Union Transfer, Philadelphia, PA, September 22nd, 2014. And uh, I'm glad I got to, a chance to talk to you and meet you, man. Yeah. Thank you. Me I too. I like you. I for like sure. you. Yeah. Thanks so much for, thank talk, you. for talking let's, with let's, me. Let's, let's uh, take a photo real quick. Oh, yeah. All right. Say bye to these folks. Bye bye. Thank you for listening. We met by chance on the road, Riverside. Fuggity Fick Fuck Yes, the Wandering Wolf Podcast at gmail.com. You can donate to that via PayPal. The Wandering Wolf Podcast at gmail.com. Uh, and you can find me on the web at Yoni Wolf on most, uh, most any social media you can imagine. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm on there sometimes. So you can hit me up and and uh, we can we can go tit for tat on Twitter uh, or, or Tumblr and all that. So uh, yeah, find me. You can also you can you can buy Wandering Wolf T-shirts with that logo. You know the the, the sort of uh, Andy Warhol, Marilyn Monroe, Yoni's face logo uh, that uh, Liz Wolf helped me create. That she pretty much created. Um, you can get that on impactmerch.com and you have to just search The Wandering Wolf or you can find it on the Y merch page, my band, Y. Uh, or go to whywithaquestionmark.com, all spelled out. That has our tour dates, that has our you know link to our merch page and uh, they'll have you can find The Wandering Wolf shirts there. Uh, yeah, man, other than that... Shit, you know, I'm looking for, when I get back to the Natty, I'm going to say this, when this tour is over and I get back to the Natty, I'm going to take three days off. That's how I feel right now anyway, and do nothing. Just sleep, walk around, get as much sunshine as I can, go into the park, you know, hopefully hang with some fools and uh, 
leisure, like stand, like almost like a European kind of leisure activity thing where, yeah, I'm just, I'm just sitting, what do you know, what did you do today? I sat at the cafe, you know, and, and just like sort of got into conversations with people ad hoc, you know, and, uh, you know, I, you know we, I walked by this movie theater and there was, you know, oh, Boyhood was playing and I heard that was good. So I just popped in and watched that, you know, and ate some, some roasted cashews or whatever. So hopefully uh, I can make that happen for myself. As I know myself, I may, I may uh, be too anxious for that and feel like, you know, things are falling into the past uh, quickly and, and, and want to move forward with some work. And that's fine if I feel that way. So we'll see what happens. But I also want to definitely feel like I'm okay taking a few days off and just chilling. You know what I'm saying? Oh, take a breath right now. Maybe you can hear that I'm a bit wound up. I'm going to relax and uh, go outside, get in that van, and uh, do what you should do. Keep wandering. We met by chance on the Row Riverside. Our salt fire danced as our tea leaves dried. She hatched our plans in the atmospheric tide Said let's give up, sacrifice next land So as the pool on the bagpipes played We kept cool in the parasol shade Your thumb on my page at my tender age East enters wide Then hidden in the box
or something like that. It just didn't seem unusual to me that a lime could have a conversation with a deer, for example. Right. Um, 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 